Hello and welcome to COVID Stories, a podcast series regarding leadership following the COVID-19 outbreak. I'm your host, Dallas Emerson, Director of Business Development at the IT Guys. Before we get started, these interviews were conducted during the COVID lockdown and were held over Microsoft Teams. Any sound quality issues are the result of social distancing that we're all too familiar with. If you're listening on our site, we're thrilled to have you, but you might find it easier to listen to COVID stories through iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Joining me today is Tiffany McGee, the CEO of the Texas Trial Lawyers Association. How are you doing, Tiffany? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. So uh, my first question for you is, when did you know that something was going to have to change? This wasn't just an aggressive flu season. We knew fairly early. We had been watching the news reports and um, seeing the wave come across the, the U.S. And about three weeks before we actually um, heard about the, the, well, actually three weeks before AISD uh, sent everyone home that Friday before AISD's spring break on mm-hmm. March 13th, um, I realized something had to change. Okay. And we started, I started conferring with several other uh, members of the Texas uh, Society of Association Executives. Okay. Uh, to see what others were hearing, planning for policies that were being written. Um, and uh, several of us had started writing things down as mm-hmm. a draft. Uh, in case something happened. I see. And so when did you really start implementing those changes? What is interesting is sort of unbeknownst to us uh, several years ago, we upgraded our phone system and it has uh, all kinds of bells and whistles that allow us to work remotely. Good. Uh, it allows us to do video conferencing. It allows us to, uh, to do all kinds of things for our members that uh, it turns out um, we've been able to utilize pretty seamlessly. We also just before, I mean, truly about two months before this, maybe a month before all of this, uh, we moved our entire network um, from one cloud system to another that was a lot more economical and, um, Boy, I'm so glad we did. It allows us to share files. It allows us to collaborate on documents. Uh, little did we know we were going to have to do that from our homes and not from separate offices. But it's it's worked out fairly seamlessly. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, that answered my next question, which is how did that transition go? So it sounds like it was pretty pretty seamless. And you mentioned having cloud-based uh, infrastructure. You mentioned using pretty advanced sounding uh, phone system. Do you think that this transition would have gone as uh, easily if you had been in a more traditional setup with, you know, server based system or even a your kind of more standard uh, in-house phone system? Certainly not. Certainly not. And the other thing that we did when we uh, we changed uh, IT providers and started leasing uh, our computers through another company and everyone has a laptop. And so it was very easy for folks to just pick up their workstations and take them home. We had a couple of, of hiccups. Okay. Uh, 
one in particular in my own home um, where I was fighting for bandwidth and uh, had a weak Wi-Fi signal in my home. But I've made uh, upgrades and changes and have been able to deal with all of that. Uh, that's that's something that we're encountering a lot. I think it's uh, a problem that a lot of organizations are going to have to try to determine as to what degree is your Internet considered a personal service or a business service. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting that you yourself have run into that. Mm-hmm. So during this time uh, when you've been working and everybody's been working remotely, is there a tool or a service that you've leaned on more than anything else uh, that you would say? Absolutely. Ring Central. Uh, our phone system is provided through Ring Central, and they have a video conferencing service through Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has been uh, it's been incredibly helpful to keep our staff connected. Uh, we pivoted pretty quickly and uh, had our first meeting with a crisis task force on video instead of on a conference call. And uh, I think. After that first week where our members were feeling pretty isolated and pretty um, uh, disconnected from the staff, uh, it was a way for us to all see one another and reconnect. Well, that's, that's awesome. And that's one of the most important things in any member, membership-driven organization is that personal contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, which kind of leads me, I guess, to my next uh, question, which is, in your opinion or from your perspective, does this COVID crisis, does it manifest itself more in uh, technology problems or more, or more in people problems? Um, it has, technology has not been a problem for us. Uh, knock on wood. Um, it's uh, like I said, I, I, uh, uh, made a phone call to Mike early on just to thank him because it was so seamless. Uh, for us, it's more about uh, uh, financial concerns. Right. Um, our organization financially is, is very healthy, but the CARE Act uh, did not, uh, it, while it, it provided the Paycheck Protection Plan to small businesses everywhere, uh, it only it limited paycheck protection plan participation to 501c3 organizations and 501c19 organizations. So charitable foundations and veterans groups. So business organizations and chambers of commerce like mine, uh, which are 501c6 organizations, were not included in the bill. We were not included in the paycheck protection program. And so we do not enjoy that safety, uh, that financial safety net to help uh, continue to employ our uh, our staff. Like I said, we're very lucky that we uh, are in a healthy financial position, but I suspect this will uh, be of great concern to most 501c6 organizations. It sounds like it, and I wasn't even aware of that, uh, which is such an important uh, it's such a, an important point of concern right now. Uh, so during this time, what has been your greatest management challenge that you had to be, deal with during this lockdown or during the shelter in place that we've been dealing with? My organization is uh, is supported mainly by membership dues of varying levels and uh, vendor uh, business partnerships. 
and members value uh, in-person education, uh, best practices, and advice. It's not just about information and uh, legal education that they share at educational conferences. It's also about connectivity to your peers and to be able to uh, to talk to others about what are you doing in this situation? What are you doing in that situation? We have a lot of solo practitioners. And my main concern was making sure that those members were connected to one another through TTLA. We wanted to make sure that our 2,500 plus, 2, plus members uh, knew that the organization is going to continue to work, that we had this remote capability and that they could feel confident that the operation of the organization uh, to help them uh, thrive in their practices was going to continue and that we were going to do everything we could, including a, a, a pretty significant number of uh, what free webinars to help our manage uh, our members manage the COVID crisis. The other concern I had was making sure that sponsors and exhibitors who were planning on seeing our members face to face, which is the value, the valuable connections that they make at our in-person events, right. uh, that we continue to keep our our business partners in front of our members. Um, they value that time. Right. They uh, and and they make their business decisions to invest in TTLA based on those connections. So our greatest challenge uh, has been to make sure that we continue to think creatively and provide an opportunity to make those connections happen. And if you don't mind asking, how are you making those connections happen? We are giving increased uh, visibility of business partners on every webinar that we do. Okay. Um, we are promoting our business partners and our exhibitors in additional uh, member communications as we send out emails. And um, we've been reaching out to them at first, mainly personally, because these are folks that are part of their business stakeholders in the organization, but they're part of our family. These are people we see at every conference. We are friends and deep friendships with a lot of these folks and we care about them and their families and we care about their businesses. And so we wanted first to make sure that they were okay. And then we eased into the conversations about uh, the, the uh, financial support that they've given TTLA and what we can do for them. Um, a lot of it has been asking them, what would you value right now? And so some of the things that we've come up with are things that they've requested. Other things, uh, we've learned a lot about our uh, association management software and coming up with uh, unique uses of things like digital coupons uh, to use at an educational conference or to gain access uh, to a, a Zoom meeting or a webinar uh, using a sponsor code for that kind of of uh, access. It's kind of like, um, the, the, the sponsor at your conference that pays to have custom printed hotel room key cards. Right. Well, that sounds like you've really, uh, you've had to get creative, but it sounds like, uh, 
it might wind up being something that you continue even after life returns to normal. I think so too. I think this is, uh, we're, we're, I think this is a longer, uh, uh, new normal than most of us expect. And we have to be ready to do things differently. Um, I, I, I think we have to acknowledge that while life may go back to normal, um, many, many in our membership, uh, have folks at home that might be high risk. They themselves might be high risk and gathering for big meetings and big conferences, the way associations have always operated, uh, may be a thing of the past, uh, at least, uh, at least for now and perhaps, uh, a little longer than just this stay at home period that we've been in. Right. Well, maybe we should transition to a little bit of a lighter topic. Uh, and that's the question of during this transition uh, from working probably the way you've done for your entire professional life to suddenly always working at home. What mm-hmm. has been the easiest and the hardest part for you personally during this transition? You can start with the easiest if you'd like. Um, I'm going to start with the most difficult first. Uh, okay. Because I find that... Um, the days are much, much longer. Uh, everything takes a lot more planning and effort. And, um, you know, when, when I, I tend to get focused in a crisis. And so I will sit in one place for 10 hours and that's crazy. So I've had to buy an exercise ball to stretch <laughs> out on at different times during the day. I've had to uh, discipline myself to get up, walk around when, you know, before you would walk to someone's office or you would walk to get the mail or you would go to the kitchen to grab a cup of coffee. And you just don't do those things anymore. Everything is just right here. And so that's been a real challenge for me. Uh, however, it's been what is necessary. And uh, so to to sort of shake my limbs loose every day. I've been going on, uh, you know, four to five mile walks at the end of the day. And I've been completely dedicated to that exercise because it allows me to listen to podcasts, business podcasts, um, funny podcasts, uh, things that will, that sort of indicate the break in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that has been a real, uh, uh, Discipline that I did not have before. Um, I, I will also say it's been delightful not to wear makeup. So you're seeing me with no makeup on. <laughs> and, um, you know, that just that process of having to, uh, you know, get ready for work, take the commute and that those are time saving, uh, endeavors that were habit before and you really didn't think about them, but now, uh, that time matters and you're able to, to do things at home that, uh, I wasn't necessarily able to do before. Right. Or at least without stress. Right. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So if you could go back in time to March 1st, kind of when I feel like March 1st was when this really became mm-hmm. general knowledge mm-hmm. that something was going on. If you could go back in time, what would you warn yourself about for the coming weeks? If you could just say one thing to yourself. Hmm. 
Um, I think I would have raised the concern with my leadership when I started thinking about it, when it started to become a concern for me. Um, I think I would have sort of sounded the alarm. Um, we had been, uh, we had a conference, we had a, a, a small, small-ish meeting scheduled in Santa Fe for April. And so I think I would have had that conversation with the hotel a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. but they were gracious and they are working with us to reschedule. And uh, I'm very grateful that we, we had the conversation when we did, which was fairly early, but I might have started it earlier. We also have a, uh, a pretty big conference, our, one of our two largest conferences that was, was scheduled for June. And, um, you know, you wish you had a crystal ball, but yeah. you know, we don't. And right. I would have started earlier to contemplate what it would take to pivot to a digital conference. Do you think that that, because I've encountered that kind of uh, feeling before. I wish I had said something sooner. Do you think that came from a feeling of not wanting to start a panic or from a feeling of not wanting to look foolish if nothing really did happen? I think it was um, a, a little bit of both. Um, I, I think that I myself didn't know that we would be in the position we are today. Right. So um, I also didn't know enough details about the the virus and how contagious it was uh, back in in February when I was thinking about these things. And um, if if I knew then what I know now, I would have done a lot of things. I would have probably done the same things, but I would have done it a little earlier. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So it's a given that the world is going to be different post COVID-19. Mm-hmm. You know, it, let's just say that things start to return to normal public health wise in a few months, six months, a year, but we're not going to really go back to the way things were before. So what do you see in your world uh, specifically changing that you don't really see it ever going back to the way it was before? I have great concern for my members. Um, I, I worry about their practices and jury trials and the the process of um, selecting a jury, having members of the public gather um, and have having all of those people in the public place that is the courtroom and the courthouse. Um, the, I, we, there's not a, there's not a, a, a good solution to ensure everyone's safety at this point. And because my members, uh, depend on uh, the resolution of their cases, um, in per, many in the courtroom, uh, I do have concerns about that. I hope that, uh, that great minds are working on that. I've given I've given thought of uh, us trying to wade into those waters and try to develop a, a solution. But I think that's a little more than our association can handle at this time. We've got to get past the move from our June conference being uh, from in person to digital before I think we can tackle anything like that. Right. Right. 
this is my last question for you. For anyone out there, any association leader, nonprofit leader, business leader, who feels like they are just completely lost or out of their element, what would you tell them? What advice would you offer them right now if they feel like they don't know even what foot to put forward? They need to join the Texas Society of Association Executives. They need to join that group. And I know that's um, uh, coming from someone who uh, is uh, chair-elect of that organization. But I will tell you, I've, I've had crisis, a crisis in my uh, professional life before when our, when my predecessor passed away suddenly. And they were the group that helped me get through it. Um, I would advise you to join TSAE. Uh, and if you can't join, find other association executives that you can talk to, that you can bounce ideas off of, because we are so much better when we put our heads together to uh, come up with creative solutions, that collaboration and experience from other organizations uh, and other professionals, um, it, it, it can be invaluable. Um, it's the same thing I tell my members uh, to be involved, get on a listserv, uh, connect with one another, because it's not just about information and court orders right now. It's about advice. It's about operations. And um, that that brain trust uh, will be something that will help you long term, not just in a crisis. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Thank you so much for your time. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you so much to everybody who is listening to this. I hope this is helpful. I hope that uh, you can use this experience and this knowledge to uh, continue to lead through this time. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you, Dallas. Thank you for listening. I'm Dallas Emerson with the IT Guys, and this has been COVID Stories. I'd like to remind listeners that you have a COVID story, and we want to hear it. Send me an email at dallas at itguysusa.com, and let's set up a time to talk about your COVID story. Your story may be just the thing someone needs to hear. Thanks again.